Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, a year after the mega merger of US media giants Viacom and CBS, the new group, which spends $18 billion Australian on content each year globally, is showing its hand in Australia with its ownership and plans for Network 10 and an overhaul of its streaming services. They do say content is king, but there's a huge play underway by Viacom CBS to shake up its streaming and linear TV platforms. From CBS All Access to 10 Play, Paramount Plus to the biggest free streaming TV operator in the US, Pluto TV, they're all coming our way in Australia at some point. But to be blunt, I'm a bit confused. So to help out this slow old journo, with me today is Viacom CBS and Network 10 EVP and Chief Content Officer Beverly Mugabe and Chief Sales Officer Rod Prosser. Welcome to you both and thanks very much for the help I'm about to get from you. To, to Bev first, let's start with streaming. Uh, where are we at? We've mentioned uh, you've got CBS All Access and 10 Play in the market. We hear about the new streaming service Paramount Plus. Then there's Pluto TV in the portfolio and of course the, the linear channels in, in the 10 lineup. So what does the Australian market look like for Viacom CBS in the next year or so, Bev? And welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, really, for us, it's about just making sure that we'll f- we are full service. So, of course, we have our free-to-air channels. We have our pay TV assets. Um, alongside our free-to-air asset, we have obviously 10Play, which is effectively a BVOD service with a lot of catch-up content and more. And, of course, as you've just mentioned, we are going to relaunch 10 All Access as Paramount+. Plus. And Paramount+, Plus has the benefit of that... $18 billion global pipeline that you mentioned of content coming straight to it. So that is obviously something that is really important and gives us a real advantage in the market. Um, and of course, we have other facets of the business here too in consumer products and live events um, and, and production and those sorts of things. So really for us in 2021, it's just about you know doing the final pieces of consolidation on the merger locally and how we can really utilize content across all of our channels and platforms and both um, using international product that comes to us through our parent company but also um, telling more Australian stories and serving Australian audiences and just getting the balance of all of those things right so that's kind of an overview of what we will be doing in 21. So all access becomes Paramount Plus and that's the streaming service for subscriptions then Bev is that right? Absolutely so 10 all access has been around for a couple of years now um, we announced you know a, a bit earlier this year that um, Vacom CBS were rebranding all of their international um, streaming services to Paramount Plus. Australia um, is obviously a very important part of that. So next year we will be relaunching All Access as Paramount Plus and enhancing the service. So the Showtime product from um, that's available from January will come in that service. And also, of course, we have all the other Vacom CBS brands, such as you know CBS, Paramount, MTV, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central. We will be enhancing that service with local originals, which I think is something that's really important, so that that will be a full service stream product in this market. Okay, and so then 10 Play essentially becomes your on-demand service then because it just won't be what the catch-up service for 10 shows then. 
Um, it is currently a catch-up service with enhanced products such as, you know, we do things for Survivor like Jury Villa. Um, we do things around Bachelor enhanced programming um, and some of that product plays on social as well. But effectively, 10 Play is the adjacent service to our linear business. So it is largely catch-up with some extra bits and pieces, but it is fundamentally a BVOD cat enhanced catch-up service. Got it. Pluto TV, tell us a little bit about it, because it is it's almost like a, a replacement, a digital version of pay television, right? It's, it's sort of all separate channels, and it's one of the biggest free digital services, TV services in the US. It's quite substantial, as I understand it. Absolutely. I think you've summarised it really well. Thank Effectively, you. it is, because it's quite hard to, to get. So it is, of course, it's, it's over the internet, so it's a digital service, but it is linear channels. But what what it is, is lots and lots and lots of super niche channels. So there might be 10 cooking channels and 20 home channels, uh, as well as movies and general entertainment. There might be a Bond channel. So, you know, there's, I think in the US, there's, you know, up to 150 channels, but it, it effectively becomes mass because it consolidates niche. Um, and it is really interesting. Uh, and also what you find with that sort of service is the viewing time goes up exponentially because if you're for example you know a cooking show fan and you're just sitting back watching you know MasterChef after MasterChef you just sit there and it is served to you in a linear fashion so the curation is taken care of it also is ad supported which you know really differentiates it differentiates it from the streaming service um in terms of our plans for it um as you've probably guessed our big focus next year is launching paramount plus and making sure that that's really well established pluto is really important to the group and um, there are certainly plans for um a significant international rollout um but we don't have any you know precise details that we can share with you today so i will say probably ask us that next time Maybe before yeah next year. Okay, well I will definitely ask you next time because I think that's an interesting one, particularly obviously for for the advertising market and the brands because there is a there is an advertising base to that. Which you know, interestingly, some of the conversation I think uh, in the US is that advertising based uh, streaming services are really on the growth cycle as well. So it's an interesting one down the track. Promise I will ask you that. Um, now in terms of the content, that eighteen billion dollars uh, Australian that Viacom CBS spends on content, which is enormous, where and how? Does that all sit on the platforms? How are you going to carve that up here? Because, you know, the group also obviously sells and distributes via Amazon, Netflix and a whole bunch of other streaming services. So where does it all this land for the Australian market, Bev, in terms of uh, that content? Actually, a lot of it is quite logical. So, of course, you know, content like the kids product has a great home on Nick Jr. The Nick Jr. brand and the Nick brand are really important. And of course, the kid product, the kids product plays there. It also plays on Shake. And of course, it will also play in a very important part on Paramount Plus because with something, uh, Paw Patrol is a great example. Um, you know, if you have kids that age, you would see that they don't necessarily want an episode that's brand new. What they want is a volume of episodes of Paw Patrol to watch. They want to be able to sit and watch three episodes. So there are certain types of genres that the product doesn't have to be exclusive. It can be co-exclusive, for example. And there are, there are certain genres like the Showtime product, which if we want people to hand us over dollars for Paramount Plus, it is important that it's exclusive and there can only be one place to see it. So I think it is not for us a one-size-fits-all solution, but rather, 
it, you know, digital is important and it's at the forefront of our strategic planning, but also content utility is important and seeing a return on investment for our content is also critical. Um, for something like MasterChef, of course, it makes sense to play it on 10. It needs that mass audience. It has, you know, kind of social appeal that you want to be in the chat and everybody watches it live or within seven days. And then it has a life on 10 play and a life on of, you know, currently all access and soon to be Paramount Plus. So I think what we would say is we are very strategic about how we use each, each of our brands, both our show brands and our content brands. Um, and in some cases that requires exclusivity. In some cases it doesn't, but content utility is really important to us as a business. Paramount Plus um, launches next year. How much? And uh, it's a very crowded market. So you'll, I guess you'll have some big marketing plans for it too, or are you going to use your existing assets to promote it? Um, all of the above. So we will obviously use our existing assets. We will um, make you know significant um, a significant marketing campaign, and it is a crowded market. But the thing that we have uniquely in our favour is that we have a guaranteed pipeline of content that comes our way, as well as Australian originals, and we have the reach and scale of our broadcast assets. So if you put all of those things together, some of our competitors have one or two or some of those things, but in terms of scale of promotion, the capacity to have a content pipeline, and you know the skill set and market to have local originals kind of gives us a bit of a USP. How much, Bev, for the service monthly? Oh, we haven't announced that yet. I'll guess between 10 and 15. Is that reasonable? We, we haven't really agreed a price point yet, but we think it will be efficient um, and we're testing the market at the minute, but it, it, it won't be at the higher end of that bracket. Rod Prosser, what would you pay for it? Uh, what, what would I pay? Uh, good question, Paul, particularly given, you know, salespeople love a deal. <laughs> uh, but maybe before I get to that, and I will get to it, I just thought it worth worth mentioning. When you hear all that detail Beverly has just articulated, I can't help but think what a terrifying place it'd be to be a standalone TV business, particularly in this market. And look, Tim, Tim, Tim was there not too long ago. Um, but I guess, I guess what I'm saying is um, businesses that haven't diversified beyond what has been their traditional core product are definitely in a challenged place. Um, so there's a lot of comfort for us um, being part of such a, a huge, um, huge pa- uh, powerhouse um, under Viacom CBS. And you know, um, you know, we, our, our business has gone through significant change and transformation, and arguably continues to go through um, a significant transformation. And no doubt, definitely being part of a global content powerhouse brings its obvious advantages. But really importantly, it's about how we bring all that together for our partners and our, and our advertisers. Um, so, you know, look, all that being said, um, back to your original question, what would I pay uh, for Paramount Plus? Well, I, quite frankly, I'd be happy to pay rack rate. <laughs> you couldn't say anything less, but I take your point. What is all this, though? You know, we've just run through the size of the content investment and uh, some of the, the streaming services and the initiatives that are happening. What does this all mean, Rod, for, for advertisers and brands for next year? I know you've, you, you're, you'll be in market or in market with your, with your upfronts presentation. There's a lot happening for next year. Advertisers, brands, the big message there for you? Yes, lots going on. Um, and you know, look, it certainly it certainly helps having a um, 
a very solid pipeline of content, um, whether that be whether that be locally or um, obviously um, internationally. And I think as long as we're feeding that 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 pipe and um, you know offering offering viewers and advertisers. Um, you know, a breadth and depth of content. I think we've, we'll keep winning. But you know, look, it's been a it's been a really solid twelve months. You know, we've delivered we've delivered both audience growth and commercial share growth, revenue share growth. So all the metrics we're we're ticking. Clearly, we had a you know a, a challenging time like everyone else um, across the COVID period. Um, but you know, I'm really confident that we're we're out the other side. Um, of that um, now, and uh, we've seen we've seen some some good um, results in terms of our in terms of our revenue, and in fact we we were seeing seeing early signs um, of of somewhat of a recovery back a couple of months ago. So you know, look that that that's really really um, exciting, and of course you know we 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 announced 12 months ago a lot of. Um, sales-led initiatives, if you like, a lot centred around um, data and, and technology. Pleased to say, you know, our, our technology is, is all bedded in and it's, is working well. Um, and our data ambitions um, are certainly, you know, front and centre. And, and, and excitingly, we've, we've um, you know, really got to a position where I think we've got a nice premium offering that we can talk to clients about. Um, and of course, we're, we're adding partners all the time. Time. Um, we we've had a lot of uh, focus on Imagine, which is our creative services area, which really really leans into both TVC production um, and consumer marketing. So so that area has been uh, very popular, let's say, this year, particularly through COVID, when when I think a lot of advertisers were in a, were in a little bit of a bind in terms of getting um, TVCs produced and all looking at different ways they could mar market their messages and their brands. So we're going to spend more money um, in that area. We've got the, uh, the wonderful Michael Stanford um, leading that area. So we're going to invest heavily in there. So, so clients will have, um, you know, another, another business unit within 10 that they can um, lean into to sort of get their, their creative um, and consumer marketing uh, solutions produced. And, you know, look, I think the, the other thing that's, that's um, really exciting for us is that, you know, we've now got, we've now got a sales team that's, that's well and truly bedded in um, and, and they're kicking goals, which, you know, look, it's, it's just so rewarding to see that because, you know, many people at um, 10 and, and CBS and, and now Viacom CBS um, went on a journey uh, with us with, with uh, bringing the sales team back in-house and, you know, I think we're really sort of starting to see, see the fruits of that, um, that initiative. So, yeah, I mean, plenty, plenty, plenty happening next year and all underpinned by, you know, good content uh, and good, uh, good audiences. So, look, I think you've mentioned also the old Viacom. I remember it from a few years ago. Um, had had a business had a huge global consumer and cultural research program. I remember sort of talking to 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 those guys about it in the US uh, a couple of years back. I um, mean, it's a big focus. It has been a big focus for Viacom, and it's a big focus for the merged unit and for you in Australia now. There's something big going on down there. Um, what's the plans there? Yeah, put simply, we're um, we're launching here locally the Viacom CBS consumer insights uh, area. Um, and one thing I've learned really quickly 
uh, within the Viacom um, CBS ecosystem, if you like, is that audience and insights is the foundation of everything uh, we do at Viacom CBS. And as a result, uh, we understand audiences better than anybody um, and do a lot of research to stay up to date. Um, and, you know, like our global insights team really is the voice of the audience, of that audience. Um, and we're thrilled to have them here locally to, to be able to deliver, um, you know, really tailored research uh, projects um, and insights to, to our advertisers, uh, which is, you know, arguably an area that we, I think we've, we've all slightly under-indexed. Here locally, um, particularly in TV, so um, we know it's we know it's really important. We we know that um, you know really understanding, particularly that more youthful audience, um, is is critical for brands. Um, finding out ways to to reconnect with the cord cutters um, or the cord shavers, as as we call one of those groups as well, um, is important. So the 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 effort. Um, in trying to get those guys down here um, was huge, but I think it's going to yield us great benefits. Um, so, yeah, we're excited to uh, start talking to, to our partners and clients about what that's going to look like. So, Bev, Rod just talked about some of that cultural stuff that's coming through in the, in the, in the research program. What is the audience mood and, and genres that, that are working around content at the moment? Obviously, we hope we may be out of, out of COVID sometime next year, but has is, is anything moved and shifted? What's the sentiment there in terms of what they're looking for? My wife, by the way, is very, very enjoying um, The Bachelor with the twins, I've got to say. I'm just, uh, that's just a reality. Oh, that's good. Um, it's, it's nice to have the sisters. It, it makes it a bit different. I think what we've seen this year across the board is people are really craving feel-good family entertainment generally. Not necessarily all just, you know, kind of altruistic content, but content that is kind of a proper escape. Um, alongside that, the comedy material is working really well um, for the same reasons. And of course, there's been, it's been a massive year for news content. So people are consuming still a lot of news um, and, you know, product like the project. So I think moving into next year, tonally, that desire to have entertainment and family-friendly entertainment and escapism and aspiration will continue. That isn't just a COVID thing. I think it's also a cyclical thing. And the last time that we saw a real desire for this sort of content was just kind of coming out of the GFC. Um, and that's when, you know, we saw those really big numbers for MasterChef, etc. when people were cooking at home and they were looking for something kind of warm and fuzzy. So there is a bit of that. There is also, um, you know, you can't watch that kind of content all the time. So on different platforms, you see different types of shows working and people go to the SVOD services for, you know, their kind of their bingey shows and we will be offering that next year as well obviously so I think it's about understanding what people want at different times of the day and on different platforms because it's 7.30 I think we're all a bit wiped our brains are fried you want to relax and watch something fun by 9 o'clock you've had a bit of a break you might want to watch something a bit more bingey and you can go to Paramount Plus and you know you'll get up in the morning and you put on 10 shake and put on ready set dance so your kids will give you 30 minutes pace before you get out the door to work so I think it's just about acknowledging people's lives and time of day and mood and all of those things and although COVID is really important in that um, yeah, I think it, next year we'll find that people's mood is driven more by economic factors I suspect um, but which will lead us to the same tonal outcome. 
Got it. And I guess, I mean, just at an industry level, we talk a lot at the moment, certainly on MI3, about the sense and the mood of industry, which everyone's talking about, about being fatigued at the moment. And it's a sort of, it, might, it may be particularly accentuated in, in our sector. But that fatigue that's been talked about in, in, in the media marketing agency game, that's not necessarily translating into anything different or what people want in terms of their consumption. You kind of talked about it there about 7.30 where fri- their brains are fried. So just give me something chill. But it's not, there's nothing sort of significant in terms of demand for the content that fits that mindset or that mood? I I don't think so. I think we've probably seen a shift towards certain types of ways things play out in reality shows. I think people are looking for authenticity um, across the board and that may be slightly connected to that issue. But, you know, I, I think it's a broader environmental thing that, you know, that people want authenticity across the board and that plays out differently in different genres and in different it plays out differently in advertising that does in you know reality show and then it does in a drama but I think it is something important um, and it's probably something that's playing out in the marketing space that that requirement for honesty and authenticity. I was just going to say interesting um, I mentioned the Beyond 2020 uh, consumer insights project that we've uh, just finished um, and what was um uh, resounding and really resonated with me is, you know, particularly young people remain incredibly resilient and optimistic about the future. Um, 57% of them um, are saying that they're very hopeful um, and um, enthused about next year. Um, and importantly, there was a, a question around how they consume content, and, and many of them haven't say, said that they would change um, their consumption habits. Is that global or local, Rod, that stuff? Both here locally and um, indeed globally. And interestingly, uh, the percentage uh, splits is is very, very similar, both globally and here locally. Right, well, that's interesting, very interesting. Um, to wrap up, I guess the ad market is firing and we've seen, uh, I think we've seen some reports uh, on, on uh, that say basically the December quarter is looking very strong. Will that hold, I guess, is the big question. And, and what are the conversations you're having with advertisers and brands for 2021 around that? What are they thinking, doing and talking to you about? Yeah, great question. Look, first and foremost, I think the markets, uh, particularly the television markets, very healthy, um, which is pleasing for the for the back quarter. Um, so we're, we're seeing um, some nice forwards um, right across the quarter. Um, and, I, and I'm hopeful that at the end of it, we'll report um, across FTA at the very least that, that there will be growth year on year. Um, we have um, obviously spending some time now with our um, clients talking about Q1 of, um, well, our Q1 of the calendar next year. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of positive um, commentary. Um, you know, look, uh, obviously, you know, there's a bit of a mess a mess around the, the, the cricket. You've got your one of the host broadcasters, um, you know, um, you know, creating a whole pile of fuss, if you like, um, on what the season's going to look like, which is, you know, really opened the door for us to have some really meaningful conversations um, with some clients that typically would have advertised in sport over that period. So um, we're really enthusiastic. Well, I did have a I did have a cheeky question around that, and was the messy state of cricket uh, cricket broadcast rights of any interest to you? And is there any upside? You've just answered it. So you think there's there is a little bit of um, there's a little bit of opportunity there because of it? Uh, look, there's certainly look. We always take an opportunity. Um, um, uh, where, where we see it. But look, uh, you know, I think that, you know, whether the, 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 that host broadcaster is right about the state of nation of cricket this, this coming season of cricket, 
um, is for them to decide. For us, you know, we're going to capitalise on what we know as a tried and tested format across January, which, you know, holds its own and if not, um, 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 sits above some of that sport across summer. Beverly McGarvey, Rod Prosser, thank you. Uh, I think I'm all the more clearer for that convo and look forward to asking you again, Beverly, when Paramount Plus, how much it's going to cost and when Pluto TV gets here, which I think Rod would like to know about because that's in his sweet spot too. But stay safe for a while. We'll no doubt loop back in at some point in the next coming months. Uh, go well. Thank you. Thank you. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.